Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Ready to rock? Ready to rock. <laughs> roll. Let's roll. Well. Ooh, that didn't work out well. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. So, holiday season is coming up. And I must admit, unfortunately, in years past, uh, I should say, uh, that's, that's years past a little while ago, um, but also probably more focused on, I don't know, first five, six years of marriage even sometimes. Um, holiday season is not always a joyous season for us around here. Uh, that did initially start to shift once I got married and, and it suddenly became a season of what felt like planning and satisfying, uh, trying to plan around where we're going, what families are we seeing, what conversations are we having about when we'll be where and who will disappoint in that, um, what are the expectations around time and gift giving and all of those things. Um, and it, it became really unfortunate that I, I genuinely did not look forward to holidays. I love your take. You know, you've talked about seeing through things, not seeing two things. I love your take on approaching this holiday season, as I'm sure I'm not alone in that stress and kind of missing the point of the holidays. How do we see through those to enjoy uh, this season coming up? You know, for example, my wife and I were looking at our calendar and we have something like, I don't know, it was like 16 to 20 events, scheduled events coming up in November and December alone, all holiday related. And it's easy to get lost in that and just try to put your head down and try to make it through. And the next thing you know, you're midway through January and you're going, what the heck happened? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'd love, yeah, I'd love your, your input there. How do we, how do we enjoy this season? It, it really ought to be enjoyed. So how do we enjoy it? Well, two words come to mind. Bah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to get through. Well, that's, well, I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, a flood of uh, thoughts um, coming in. Because oh, Lord knows, especially when we had young kids, I I, I remember um, one holiday Christmas actually, and we were trying to please both sides of our family. And that's we'll talk about that in a moment. Trying to please them. Mm. So we uh, that morning we woke up Christmas Christmas morning, three kids, um, and we were in Louisville with uh, my wife's with Kathy's mother. And, um, and then that afternoon we're scheduled to have, uh, like a 4 PM dinner with my folks in Saginaw, Michigan, eight hours away. <laughs> so fortunately, oh these are too young to remember that, but we're, so we have the morning, open the presents, da, 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 we pack up, we get in that Chevy citation, which we call the Chevy hesitation. We, uh, 
get on the freeway. Of course, it's snowing uh, pretty heavily, heading up I-75. And uh, I'll never forget the third lane, which uh, at some point, I don't know where we were, near Toledo or something. And it wasn't particularly well, uh, had been uh, plowed. And this is a big car just rumbling up next to me. And the next thing I know, that car is facing us as it's going into a slow spin. And uh, so we, uh, I slide over and we pull off somewhere. But I, I remember thinking, I'm not doing this again. Well, <laughs> out of our mind. And we also had our lunch at, uh, yes, McDonald's. Because it was one of the few that was open. And I Christmas thought, lunch at McDonald's. We are not doing this again. <laughs> Now, the kids did think that made it a holiday. <laughs> but that night, I just said, somehow we're not doing this again. And then, of course, we're going to drive all the way back to Maryland from Michigan. That was a good 12, 10, 12 hour drive. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me throw out just a few thoughts. And um, believe it or not, it has to do with um, imagining your bank account, it has to do with Facebook and social media and it has to do with love so talking uh, just doing a virtual christmas on facebook no i'm not i'm just uh, <laughs> i only do podcasts i i'm so i really am zoomed out i we had a lovely conversation with some friends recently but i just sort of get emotionally worked up to say okay getting on here at eight o'clock tonight here we go i mean it was lovely and we stayed late and but i thought this is not the way god intended it mm. Conversation All right, so, for another day. Yeah. Yeah, another day, another day. But first of all, pull the let's pull the lens uh, way out. Um, friendships. Now, first of all, there's a difference in the Bible, I believe, between relationships and friendships. That's why when people often say, you know, I want to work on my relationship with God, they mean well. But in fact, a relationship is a generic term. Who was it? Uh, Socrates, who said generalities are the refuge of weak minds. Uh, I have a relationship with everything in this room, the table, this microphone, the lighting, so even the air molecules that have been conditioned by some kind of unit. The fact is, relationships, generic, doesn't say anything. Uh, and I find it fascinating that Jesus waited till right toward the end, after three years, that he said, now I call you friends. Friendship is love and love is mutual giving and receiving friends reciprocate and friendships are reverberative that's a big old hairy word but amazingly enough or interestingly enough actually not amazing uh, ian mcgilchrist uses that word in his book the master and his emissary to describe the other, and he capitalizes other. It's everything he can do not to say God. Hmm. And the triune God, Father, Son, and the Spirit, are a sphere of mutual giving and receiving of love. Now once, and they are friends, once you sort of get that in place in your imagination, Every bit of social science I can get my hands on says you really can't have more than maybe a dozen friends, maybe 15. Because we live in a 24-hour day. And mutual giving and receiving 
And by the way, love operates that way. It's not mutual receiving and giving. It works that way initially because God is love. I once heard a pastor preach, uh, you know, God chooses to love us. And I came up to him afterward and I tried to say as kindly as I could, no, God doesn't choose to love us. He is love. It just oozes out of his pores. And because he is love, the Father, Son, Spirit are always giving and receiving. But for us, it's initially receiving and giving. We only love because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. But as we grow, we come to see the goodness in what Jesus said, you're really more fortunate if you give than if you receive. Nothing wrong with receiving. He says, you're blessed, which is our word shalom. Fortunate. It works far better if you give than if you receive. That's because you're actually becoming like Christ. Now, if you get all that in place, I don't have the capacity for 120 friends or 500. And once you get that in place, then you realize that friendships are a lot like they have a bank account, an emotional bank account. And you have to make a lot of investments because the giving of yourself, traveling, planning, putting these together, you withdraw. You're making withdrawals. And so in my opinion, the reason that uh, a lot of holidays are not what they ought to be, which is, you know, if you look carefully, it means holy day. Nothing holy about them because you're making withdrawals on bank accounts that are almost empty. And it's just a pain in the you-know-what. It's not enjoyable. Uh, and, and I come from a family that's, that's littered with that. And so getting together often, and especially stuff, I didn't know this about my uncles and my father, but oh, he smokes. So it was, um, it really became, and I began to become aware of some of these things, say maybe I was 12, 13, 14. But this, this isn't a holiday. We're actually crossing a minefield. Mm. Well, that takes a lot of focus, a lot of emotional energy. Don't, 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 don't bring that up. Oh, no, we can't talk about that. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah. We can't mention um, my, uh, my uncle's uh, bratty kid who's never been disciplined. Because we can't talk about how people parent. <laughs> uh, so little, little cousin Biff just put his fist through the wall. Oh, Biff, don't do that anymore. And you're looking at your, you know, you're looking at someone in your family like, now what? And he's like, you know, they go, oh, yeah, he didn't mean it. And they go home. <laughs> Would you look forward to that? Oh man! So because of that, I don't. First of all, I I think that we just set ourselves up with um, this again. What technology does and doesn't do. There's a there's always a blessing and a curse in these things, or they always undo something. Point being, if we lived X amount of years ago, and we live in Maryland, and our families are in Louisville and Michigan, would they be expecting to see us? No. There you go. 
now, you know, I, I believe it was Montesquieu, but it could be wrong on that, who felt there are geographical limits to what a democracy can sustain. You just can't, you just can't say, oh, the whole world's going to become democratic. Our whole country spread across X, Y, Z. He didn't think it was possible. And there are geographic limits to what friendships can be. Now, you can have relationships, so to say, with the rest of your family. But the problem with this, we, we don't um, calibrate those particularly well. And you use the key word on this, and then I'll shut up for a moment. <laughs> the key word is you said, how do we not disappoint? Right. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a frame from, from which we've definitely come from this, obviously. I mean, particularly as when we were younger in, in marriage, you have a lot of expectations from uh, other family of, of what you'll be doing. And their lives are changing because their little kid is, is no longer uh, maybe going to be home on Christmas or home on Thanksgiving or fill in the blank. Yeah, but and that's right. But but disappointment ratchets it way up. Why? Well, in in terms of like, so we've had a past conversation on disappoint, and my yeah. takeaway from that was, if you dissect disappoint, you are you're looking at uh, you know the opposite of the negative of appointing, and to appoint something is actually to to play God, to to see to the future and say this is going to happen that's right so there's a there's a pretty significant bar there that you're raising either for yourself if you're the one having the expectation that others are disappointing you or someone may be doing to you if if you're indeed disappointing them that's right you and your wife are going to be here you're going to be happy kids are going to be well behaved right. yeah you're going to be blah 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 all this stuff isn't talked about it's just it's uh it, especially if you have a history uh, that is uh, of things that are just never been resolved, um, they become they do become minds in the minefield, and the, and it does become sort of a common set set uh, of intuitive knowledge that people have. Oh, don't mention Uncle Jack's drinking, you but know. it's going to affect the holiday, the holiday, the as they say in England. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I really, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. And that's a really good perspective. Just something I, I tucked away there as you were talking. I've, I've often thought of the relationships being parent to child in some of those, um, just because mm -hmm. we found those to be challenging in, in different regards. And it, the, the joke around here is something will happen in the planning phase and I'll look over to my wife and say, remember this 30 years from now, when this comes up with our kids, this is what we're going to say, you know, or this is how we're going to give them freedom in this area or whatever. But I, I love your, your uh, perspective of the minefield because what we don't talk about is how are we ensuring that minefield with the siblings doesn't exist 30 years from now. You know, and that's, that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a whole different, different topic, but I thought it was really, it's really helpful because I haven't thought about that. It's true. There are elements of that to which we, we must navigate. So. Well, they're tough. I mean, they, I've never served in the military, but best I can tell, 
they say it is a delicate and difficult task. You got to get down that. You got to crawl on the ground. And you got to dig these things out without blowing up. Yeah. Because um, the holidays, holy day, rest, which includes leisure and enjoyment and all that, is supposed to be a la reminiscent of uh, they were naked and unashamed, which literally means, as the idea, they couldn't even imagine there could be any traps. They just can't even imagine mm -hmm. it. And that's why you see the queen of Paralander, the green lady. There's terms that are introduced by the evil one and even by Ransom. And she goes, what do you mean by that? I mean, what? Mm, right. Uh, so that's what makes for... We'll put it this way. Because we're all creating the image of God, it doesn't matter necessarily all that's happened to us. That image is retained. And everybody has a residual image of um, what the movies have done. It's just this warm, tinkling, <laughs> getting together, embrace. And, but no one ever talks about, well, what is it? Does that just happen? Right. I think a lot of people do think they just, it just, it just happens like in the movies. Versus, you know, some businesses do a pre-mortem after they put a plan together. Post-mortem is after the body is, after the person's died. You then cut into it and find out what went wrong. Pre-mortem is uh, before you launch this project, let's cut this thing open and uh, imagine what could go wrong and then do something about it now before it kills us. Yeah, so holiday pre-mortem. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, what was going to kill Kathy and I was uh, just having to find a, a gentle way to say to our folks over time, hey, uh, you know, we would love to see you. We really would. Um, I don't think I was lying there. I think I was pretty close to the truth. Uh, but I said, uh, it's just, it's just arduous. The kids, the kids want to grow up with memories of waking up in their home and uh, coming down the Christmas tree just like we did. And, you know, as it's worked out, we're in Maryland and you're fur away. We'd love to have you come. And, you know, you can almost read between the lines. And it would be easier for you to come here. But we understand if that's... And that's how we started to do Christmas is... Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought, yeah, I, I don't want the kids to say, yeah, here's my memory, sitting in the back seat of a citation, eating McDonald's and watching cars spin out on the highway. <laughs> yippee ki kaye <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, yeah, that's, that's helpful. And I think what you're talking about is, uh, I mean, it's not very understandable. If you're driving 8 to 12 hours, that's a lot. I think zoom in or, or fast forward today, um, uh, the the modern thing I've heard from others in my generation is a little bit less of that extreme and would be something more like, you know, maybe the drive is only an hour and two mm -hmm. hours to see family. Um, and which actually for us, it is just about an hour. So, um, that's not, that's not quite logistically as much of an issue. Um, right. but 
but emotionally it's it's challenging and i think that's that's a, a bit different emotionally it's challenging coping with relationships can be challenging um the 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 statement i've heard from the, the supposed advice from others my age has been kind of the classic where i think culture tends to go today which is uh you know set some boundaries it sounds like you might need some more boundaries in your life uh you know have you you need you need kind of your emotional safety net uh zone there to maybe maybe you just need some boundaries to where you're going to go and maybe you just don't participate this year because it's just it's emotionally draining and i'm not sure that's the same thing you're talking about yeah 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 so we'll probably step on toes here. I, I've never been entirely comfortable with all the language of boundaries. I know it's turned into a big industry. Yeah. But I understand that the, in creation, there are boundaries that, that God established. One, uh, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that's like big time, so to say. <laughs> um, that has to do with infinite knowledge. That would have exploded their brain or their whole body would have incinerated them um, that's a different kind of deal um, that's a prohibition uh, yeah i think i think that the, the a better way to think about it is uh, again charles taylor we talked about this before but uh in the enchanted universe they used to predominate uh, we are all porous so these influences are going to come and go they're going to walk in and through us and you can't say oh i've got a boundary here you know but then you don't understand the spiritual life instead you can govern or have dominion where you have dominion over your body by that over this first heaven and the first heaven we've talked about before and Nothing original here, but it is all of the environment. I don't use the word space anymore. It is all the environment that not includes your body, but if you just put your hands out and then make a big circle, it's all that. And you have some dominion there. You can beforehand say, I'm going to um, become a person that loves people just the way they are. That doesn't mean I tolerate everything. It, love in the right sense. Patient, kind, charitable. Uh, believes the best. Hopes the best. Endures. You can do that. And then you can also say, with no expectation of how this comes out, they're going to turn around to me and say, Mike, you are the holiest person I've ever met. <laughs> you might turn around and say, jerk, did you forget the brown mustard again? <laughs> fatal, <laughs> fatal Christmas error. <laughs> <laughs> and you do have, you do have, you can work with your spouse ahead of time to say, how can we train ourselves? And the reason I'm saying train yourself, I think we've talked about this before, but the poet, the Irish poet, uh, uh, Iris Murdoch, put it particularly well when she said, most of the time, at the time of choosing, most of the choices have already been made. 
one of the fallacies, it's worse than a fallacy, one of the lies of the enlightenment is that we are entirely choosing people, rational. And so you can just go blithely into your time and your holiday and just think in the spur of the moment, you'll just do what Jesus would do. But if you're, if you're not already the person Jesus was, mm. you're not going to do what he did. Yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, you said always standing on the shoulders of giants. That that was one of the mind-blowing pieces that stood out to me in Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Yes. He's, he's like, you know, we see all these moments where, where Jesus was this phenomenal figure and we go, it's, you know, WWJD, man. <laughs> but <laughs> what we don't pay attention to is all of the preparation, the practice, the times of solitude and silence and prayer that he spent far before the single event of him being that, oh, wow, look at, just respond how Jesus responded. That was, yeah. So, sorry, back to your point. So no, prepare, I, I think work, work that out ahead of time. You you can, you can. I'm just, uh, so my, my, let me see, my father passed away now 13 years ago. Um. We were close in some ways, and in other ways we were not. And he wasn't close with his brothers, and he wasn't close with his father, and so on and so forth. But uh, I do remember early on, especially being married to Kathy, we said, well, let, we're going to break the cycle. God, if the Lord has mercy on us, and by the grace of God, we're going to break the cycle. But the grace, as again, Dallas Willard rightly noted, is not opposed to effort. It's only opposed to earning. So I had to put some effort into it. And the effort was the spiritual disciplines of, uh, and my father didn't mean this, but he just had a way of talking that could just kind of gut your confidence. That he, Because he just did so many things so well. And that's why even to this day, I have pangs of, uh, of doubt uh, if I pick up a hammer <laughs> or any tool, frankly. I just like, Okay, here goes Dr. Destructo. <laughs> and uh, I mean, when I fixed the VCR years ago, young listeners, Google it if you don't know what a VCR <laughs> is. And I remember I was so proud. I showed Kathy, I said, I can't believe I fixed something. But it, and then I go, Oh, Mike, come on. You're responsible for that, not you know, your father. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's different than a boundary. I don't want a boundary around me to protect him i don't need that uh, all that language is so tragic uh, instead because that boundary binds you in and you don't love and god yeah. was calling me to love my father yeah that so that's been the the that that's been the, the crux of when i've heard that i'm like mm, it's just it's just hard for me to see jesus on the cross saying just put up your boundaries you know that right. there's just a, something that just doesn't fit so i'm glad you put it there i am curious back to what you said about taylor you know it's one thing for us to imagine it we we maybe imagine it incorrectly when we think we have boundaries because i i agree with taylor's point i, mean, I think i think we are porous i'm and it's better to imagine ourselves as such but mm -hmm. when it comes to, of of boundaries is that is that simply like like a fallacy of itself, you know, we, by, by quote unquote, putting up boundaries, 
you you believe these things exist and you've insulated yourself, but it's simply not true, which is the part? Or is it something more like you said where putting in boundaries actually has an impact, but what the real impact is you're just not loving as you're called to love. You know, like what yeah. is it about boundaries? Yeah. Well, I'm a big lover of Augustine. Um, and, you know, he's saying, you know, bad things are simply good things perverted. Hmm. So do we see boundaries, a, a boundary in um, creation? Yes. A perversion of that is making more out of it. Perversions go two ways. One is just to ignore the whole thing. That's called ignorance. The other is to make extend it out way beyond where it ought to be understood. And that makes it an idol. So ignorance and idols are not loving that boundary and what it what it depicted properly. I think we've just <clears throat> sort of made an idol out of boundaries. Um, because in the porous, here's the way it works. And again, I love, um, we just, I just reread that hideous strength. And I don't think we appreciate what happens to Jane Studdick when she meets Ransom, who's the director. And it says her world was unmade. Why? I'm assuming things started to unravel for her. Actually, I actually haven't read that one, but I'm assuming things started to unravel. That's because in the enchanted background, they really imagine properly we're a fragrance, we're a presence. Porous goes both ways. Mm -hmm. People of good conscience can, as Paul did, spend a day studying closely, it said, a pornographic city, but he could see through it to it being an idol, and he would write later on, and an idol is nothing. He was porous and perceptive. Ransom having come through Malacandra and then Paralandra, Venus, Mars and Venus, I believe is perceptive that the porousness, the power was greater in he who is in you than he who is in the world. And that would unmake Jane. And sure enough, Jane, it says in meeting him, all these notions of Solomon and then Merlin and King and all its associations she suddenly began to imagine with husband and power. And she began to realize her resistance to nuptial invasion by her husband. They weren't hitting on all cylinders sexually, we put it that way was actually resistance to invasion by God. So Pat, we don't hear Western Christians talk this way anymore. 
we are in <clears throat> what we've talked about before, the disenchanted world. It doesn't mean we go around, man, it's a bummer world. It means, disenchantment means you meet Jane Studdick and you go, let me unleash some apologetics on you. Let me show you how, uh, what you think about God is irrational. Let me give you five evidences for the existence of God. Six for the historicity of the New Testament. Let me explain how the canon came together. Let me explain why Jesus died on the cross for satisfies God's wrath as judicial substitution and atonement. You think that would unmake Jane? No. I don't think so. Even though all that has, you know, all of it has elements of truth, but again, untruth is just, uh, you know, bad things are just good things perverted. And they have elements. But the, what I, why I disdain the Enlightenment is it put you in the driver's seat, if you met Jane Studdick, of, oh, I've got a dump truck of information I'm going to back up and dump on you, and it will bowl you over. Well, other people would have say, no, they would run, they would dig their way out. And we have, we've really lost a sense of, of a, I'll give you an example. So many years ago, as a pastor, we had, and for a very short period of time, we were actually in offices. I've hardly ever worked in an office for most of my life. So there are a lot of people around, but there, uh, a woman came in, she was very attractive and, and, uh, but she's sitting at the other side of the desk and there's a big window in my office and the door is open. But we're about 20 minutes in the conversation and I looked over and I said, there is some kind of a sexual energy going on here in this room that I don't think is particularly healthy and I'm going to close this conversation right now. I'm going to ask you to leave. Now this was a member of my church. Two things. Uh, after I was no longer at that church, and she eventually did get married, had multiple affairs. And truth be told, there was something that I sensed it. You sense this stuff in a porous universe. And Part of what I'm hoping for in a conversation I'm having with someone right now, a good friend, who essentially discarded much of the faith, I just said to him, my friend, you're under a spell. And it, it sort of unmade him. Now, what he will make of it is out of my control. And then our listeners are like saying, how in heaven's name did we get over here? Um, <laughs> holidays. <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with this isn't just a bunch of people getting together and um, you know trying to trying to make happy. That's not it's a holy day, but holy takes into account why Halloween coming up was called All Hallows Eve. That's when the spirits are unleashed, but do not be afraid, but do be aware. And we go, hmm, what do you mean, it's Snickers bars? 
And so you, you have control over this pad. That's what I mean by you. We have, you have, control is not the right word. You have the ability to govern your impulses, particularly to become a lover of those who you gather with. And you can train yourself, but if you're in that untrained, bodily untrained, and trying to brain your way through, I know I'm supposed to love that person, I know I'm supposed to love that person, I'm going to set a boundary to you, I'm not going to react this way. That's draining. I wouldn't want to go to that after a while. I'd be like, oh, hi, do we have to go again at the Thanksgiving there? Mm. Yeah, probably do. But the problem isn't out there. It's not them. It's mm. not what happens. The boundaries will keep them out, quote unquote, but that's not the problem. That's not the problem. And it will keep your love bottled in, which is not love then. Mm. Um, it's really self-preservation. I'm afraid, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but a lot of what I read in Boundaries is self-preservation, the mm. antithesis of the poured out life. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of saying holidays would not be the way they are. You, you mentioned, you start early on, there are limits, there are, physical geographical limits yes but when you start getting into the emotional some of the mental some of those things where we we want to suddenly put our limits or boundaries up the problem with that may be the holiday season the stresses of it may actually be an indicator of your inability to love is that what you're saying mm -hmm. yeah that's uh that's pretty sobering and i think hard for people to hear Myself included, sometimes. I, I'm. That's what I heard the Lord one day saying, because, you know, your father is my business, not yours. Hmm. Supposed, I want you to love him. Can you love him? I go. Well, I ought to be able to love him. Well, help me understand why, I don't sometimes. And um, hey, good news, our listeners. I found God's pretty good about this. So, okay, really, you really want hell? Here we go. And uh, if you don't put on rose-colored glasses or put on earmuffs or what have you, but you open your body as the bride of Christ ought to open her body and practice these disciplines, especially silence. I found God walking up paths toward me that I didn't even know existed as to why and how. And, um, uh, you know, Pat, again, I'm no saint, but last time I was with my father a few months before he passed, it was, uh, me cleaning a, a man who had soiled himself and couldn't do anything about it. He was in his hospital bed and a, a grace and a power and a presence, I guess would be better, came over that and came over me and I just I loved my father and then when that hall was done trimmed his fingernails washed his hands combed his hair kissed his forehead wrote him a note and um, talking about friendships by their very essence 
wish that they'd never end. And I said, I want to be a friend forever. And uh, urged him to consider to come to Christ. <clears throat> and, um, but it was, uh, I, I, the reason I mentioned it is I happened to mention this to my son, Mark, the other day, because I'm in this project with he and his wife called Storyworth. You write stories of your life and uh, you write it for your kids and grandkids and the rest. And, uh, and so Mark and, I, Mark and I kind of interacted a bit after I submitted the story in much more vivid detail. And uh, yeah, he's very, he just said, uh, essentially it was, it's the idea that comes out of, often talked about in the Catholic faith, of accompanying people and accompanying them. I accompanied my father into his passing. Where he passed, I don't know. But we accompany people. I have friends who have different sexual orientations, and we I accompany them. That's different than saying, I affirm everything, I accept everything. No, those are all nonsensical terms. Jesus accompanies people. He's present everywhere, so he's accompanying everyone. Whether or not they're aware of it, sensitive to it, largely depends on how they imagine, how does this thing work? Is it uh, Jesus up in heaven thundering something? Is he actually saturate the heavens, fully present, uh, present everywhere? And, um, and does he permeate? Does he um, pass in and through? And do we in him have our being? All these things, Pat, they... Uh, but that took years of disciplines, amongst other things. And um, the disciplines of silence, solitude, and fasting exposed hidden motives, prejudices, hatreds, bitternesses, uh, and disappointments. And I had to come to realize that uh, disappointment is a crushing burden no one can bear because I, I was playing God. My dad had disappointed me. And... Um, I was wrong. Yeah, and he did not disappoint me. And the holidays are littered with disappointments. And more often than not, that's our problem. It's not the people we're with. 